Today on the No City on the Sideline Dad Podcast, episode 114. It's all about having that hard conversation. Also show care and kindness in the time of need, especially being there for family. That's something that hospice is known for. Today, my guest, Ellen Stilwell, author of the book, Love, Death, Love. She shares her knowledge and her experience in helping families. Next on the podcast, let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad Podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Hey, my name is Joe Foley. I want to thank you for being here. This is the first time. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. This podcast is about a journey of discovery. Hey, it's kind of like a fun thing to do. I like to talk about different topics and stuff. And today, especially a little bit of hard topic, talking about dying, some conversation that we don't really like to have. <laughs> so I really do appreciate you being here. And if this is your first time, welcome. Welcome on the podcast. If this is something you like and you like the podcast, please share with a friend. So more people listen, more people get hear the podcast, more people will tune in. I would really appreciate it. Next up, my guest, Ellen Stillwell, registered nurse, certified hospice and palliative care. She did this while raising two boys. She volunteered and part of the hospice team in Metropolitan Jewish Health System. Ellen worked with patients and families in homes in the heart of hospice. Hospice, I could tell you from experience, dealing with um, lost my mom and lost my grandmother. They both are hospice care. It was amazing the help and the care they show and the kindness. Because you're going through a traumatic time. Losing a loved one is traumatic. And it's not the easiest thing to do in the world. And having somebody there to help you through the, through the process, answer your questions. And they have a wide variety of resources. And, and even they're after the passing of a loved one. We talk about active listening. I also found out something about being a deaf doula. Find more about that in an episode. Ellen shared a lot of great information in her stories about helping people and showing them kindness. So let's jump right in. Welcome to the podcast, Ellen. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for helping with that word, because I'm like, am I saying it right? Death doula. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But the interesting question, before, I'm, you know, we're, you're from New York City, and we just talked about New York City for, um, for a second, and, and I really like New York City. What is your favorite thing about New York City? Well, definitely the diversity of the people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely interesting, too. And I always find there's really cool places to eat. Like, I really, if I ever go back to New York City, there's, by the Pennsylvania Hotel, there's a Japanese noodle place. I keep saying I'm going to eat there by the time I go to the, the National Publicity uh -huh. Summit. But this time, I'm, next time I go, I'm going to eat there. Just, I like Japanese noodles. But I just, I like the uh -huh. city because it's so fast-paced and a lot of interesting people. They're on there interesting mm -hmm. going on. And if you just take a minute and sit back and look around, you're like, Wow, because I'm, I'm not, well, I'm kind of from the city, but I'm not really. I'm not from Manhattan. It's a totally different ballgame. It, it sure is. I mean, there's never a dull moment. I mean, just simply walking along on the street is uh, yeah, really an adventure. Well, I know one time I took my younger brother a long time ago. He was 18. And, um, oh, what's that? The park, Central Park. And I had a knish. Mm -hmm. I had my first knish. <laughs> Those are good in the park. And um, I had a difference between a Coney dog and a regular hot dog. I just, I had my whole New York experience. It was kind of fun. Uh-huh. Yeah. You definitely have to have a dirty water dog <laughs> for sure. Mm -hmm. But it's just interesting to walk around and see different people 
and experience the whole bit. I mean, mm -hmm. it's a fun time. Well, the brother bring you on tonight is to talk about hospice and death. I mean, death is a subject that we're not really comfortable talking about. Yes, it's it's a hard topic. Yeah, and it's also deciding on hospice sooner than rather than later. I mean, mm -hmm. some people hospice. When you say hospice, it's usually near the end of somebody's life. That's right. It is. Uh, it, well, sense, consensus signs uh, one when an individual comes onto hospice with their private medical doctor and a hospice medical director, and they sign a consent agreeing that the individual has six months or less uh, to end of life. That's that's a a legal document with two physicians. What is like? What is some of the um, process of, of a hospice nurse taking care of a patient? What are some of the jobs they do? Well, uh, for myself as the hospice nurse, it's really a lot of uh, active listening to the patient and the family. Because I walk through the door as the hospice nurse, it, it's, it becomes intimate immediately because because lots of people aren't talking about death with the patient and the family. So... I'm really a very casual, very open, uh, very easy person. And, and that vibe comes across and people right away open up and talk about their fears. They talk about their lives. It's really uh, a life where I listen to people's lives. Oh, I'm so interested in listening to their lives and they easily tell me. So as a hospice nurse, you know, that's really the first things that occur upon meeting. It's almost like their mental mental status changes once you walk to the door. They realize what's going on, because I had my experience with mom. My mom, she was on hospice when she passed away of lung cancer about three years ago, mm -hmm. and it was hard for us to talk to her. But we had a great hospice and team, and it was it was a fantastic experience. And and you were then able to talk about it out loud with each other. I would hope. Yeah, it was almost like well, not, not kind of, but she would. She like we're trying to keep a big secret from her, but we weren't. It was. Oh you, no, she knew. Yeah, she knew. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure she knew. Yeah. But one of the one thing interesting too about hospice nurses and, and hospice care, what are some of the things they do? I'm just kind of curious. Like besides going into active listening, what are mm -hmm. the other things they help with? Uh, well, the nurse is the coordinator of the team, and the team includes a social worker, counselor, the medical doctor who doesn't come into the home, the nurse is the eyes and the ears and the communicator with the doctor. The doctor's ordering medications, but it's, it's from the description of the symptoms the patient is having. So that communication with the doctor is keen with the nurse. But the hospice nurse is the co coordinator of the team. So there's home health aides that may be needed and usually needed closer to end of life for personal care. Uh, the home health aides are there every day, Monday through Friday, uh, three or four hours a day for the personal care of the patient when they become bed bound. And, and then there's also volunteers. So it's the registered nurse who's coordinating this team for each one to perform their tasks. It's interesting too. I mean, I, my, just from my own experience going dealing with it personally and stuff like that, I've seen some really, really fascinating and very calming places for hospice care. I mean, one place mm -hmm. is that my mom went to, 
the place is beautiful. It was almost like an apartment apartment with and, and people were it was it was incredible. And mm-hmm. um they come in, how they take care of her and it was it was a great experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very clean, very quiet, typically private rooms, private bathrooms, right? Is yeah, it, it was definitely definitely like that. Mm-hmm. It was like a five star resort for like <laughs> in the beginning, right. closer to the end, we, we moved her more to the nursing home experience. But mm-hmm. it was interesting too is the fact that the, what I found out that really it was helpful and is your experience with um, patients and yourself is the communication with the family. Day, day in and day out, updates what's going on and stuff. How important do you think that is for the family? Well, of course, it's personal to the family. It, it's as a professional, I want to continue com- communicating, but also I have to feel out the family as to really how much they want to hear and how to deliver uh, the information. It, I really have to get to know the family to understand how much communication, how much descriptions of what's unfolding, symptoms to expect, uh, medications that help the symptoms that are going to occur, the physical symptoms that occur to the journey to death. It's really, it's a personal experience and I have to read everyone. I have to read the family members and I have to read the patient and deliver the care for each family in a personal manner. So most like everybody, everybody's different. Every, like every person oh, and is, everyone is different. Yes. Every situation, mm-hmm. every circumstance is different. And right. I'm, the <laughs> dying process is not different though. No. It's the same for all of us, but, but I do have to read everyone and see how I can deliver the message. Well, the dying process too, something we all got to face and we all seem to really not really want to talk about. It's almost like inevitable. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll, I'll die someday. But what are some of the changes a person goes through, like in their mindset as they're going through the process? Well, of course, at first there's fear and, uh, and it's really very important to acknowledge the fear. And then, you know, with this hospice team, that's why we use the team approach. You know, you could utilize every one of the team members to discuss your fears and, um, become aware of your fears. A lot of people aren't even aware that they're afraid, but once you conquer the fear and accept that it's really happening, that death is really going to occur. This acceptance opens up a peaceful, peaceful atmosphere. And especially if the family and the patient are in acceptance, it's really, it's a profound peacefulness that pervades. And then everyone is, is, is communicating better, whether it's in silence or whether it's verbal or if it's in caring for the individual. The, um, so this process is helped greatly with the acceptance that death is occurring. And then there's physical changes that, that occur. So as our bodies are slowing down, each organ, every organ, and our skin is an organ, our skin is our largest organ. So mm-hmm. when we become bed bound, we have to take really good care of skin with lotions and turning and positioning to avoid uh, bed sores because that's our largest organ. But every organ is slowing down and breaking down to the point when it stops, our organs stop. So physical symptoms occur in this slowing down process and our consciousness is changing. 
restlessness and agitation occur typically at night because of this these physical changes. So, and of course, uh, I should have said first, our functional decline where we we are not able to walk anymore and become bed bound. Um, our appetite slows over time until we have no appetite and there is no further eating. So, so we will stop eating and then there'll be a few days of drinking. And then, then our bodies don't require fluid anymore. We become unconscious. And with hospice, the goal of care is a comfortable death. So we do, we do obtain that goal. It was interesting, too. I remember my grandmother, she also went through hospice and hospice in the end in life care. And I was actually there for the whole, pretty much the whole thing. She she passed away after everybody left. She didn't want to, I, we swear, we think her That con- is so common, Joe. That is so <laughs> common. Yes, we, our loved ones don't want to pass when we're there. Yeah. I mean, we could simply go to the bathroom and they'll, and they will leave in that, in that short amount of time. But it was it's so common. It was like, we, it was an interesting experience. Something I'll never forget is mm-hmm. a, the part of their, her being a little bit conscious, unconscious, her eyes rolling back. I think the word molting was the word they mentioned. Um, For modeling of her? Modeling. her yes, modeling. modeling. I, I think well, listen, I always thought molting, but it's modeling. And uh-huh. and I watched, and they gave her um, medication for the pain, and her body slowly shut down. But that was an experience I will never forget. Was it a good experience? It was. It was. Um, it wasn't a bad experience, but it mm-hmm. was a. It wasn't. I'm gonna say, ooh, it was a great experience, but profound. 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 It was. Yeah, it was a more profound experience to see somebody go through the process. You know, I was close. I was my mom's mom, so I was close to her. So it was a little mm-hmm. bit hard to watch too. Oh yeah, it, it, I can't disagree with you. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But I just—it was an interesting experience. And like, my mom had the hospice nurse, and the guy would call up all the time to bring a radio in. Let her. She was somewhat sleeping a lot, but they let her play the radio. And they brought in the the, the pet dog so she could pet the dog. And mm, lovely. And then, then she always complained about the dinner. And um, that was my mom. She liked the dinner, but that was okay. <laughs> But decide. Well, one thing you mentioned to me that you want to decide, decide on people should decide on a hospice sooner rather than later. Why? Well, a lot of folks wait until their very close acting dying phase, which is very close to end of life, and they've missed that whole team experience of of the assistance of of really dealing with this very difficult time for the family members and the patient. So, so if you invite hospice in sooner rather than later, it's really an incredibly helpful experience to, to better accept the inevitable. It also takes a lot, I think a lot of stress off the family too. Oh, big time. Yes. Cause it, yes. <laughs> I didn't know what the process of when somebody passes until my mom passed away. And I wish I would did or take care of somebody before that, but that's a whole different learning experience though. But dealing with. Right. And, and the team is educating everyone. It's, it's ongoing education from the first day hospice walks in the door. What was interesting too, I, and one of the, my experience with the hospice too was even after she passed, they were there for us and um, for the family. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you for mentioning that. That's absolutely true. And it was very helpful if anybody had a problem, anybody was feeling 
upset about the situation, they were, you could have somebody there to talk to, which is amazing right. because not everybody wants to open up right then and there because they're dealing with their own stress and of the passing of their loved one. But mm-hmm. it was nice that they're there for you to talk to. Yes, yes. And actually, uh, the Medicare has a hospice benefit, and that that care after the death of your loved one is for 13 months following the death. It was definitely, definitely an experience, and I was thankful they were there. But one thing I was interested to in a deaf doula, I'm, and, and I hope I said that right again. You did. <laughs> but I, I was, was in your bio, and I thought that was very interesting. I wonder if you can explain to me what that is. Okay. I happen to be a registered nurse, but um, death doulas, I'm, I'm also trained as a death doula. But you don't have to be a registered nurse to be a death doula. But I happened to meet a Buddhist monk when I was on the hospice team as a volunteer. When my children were young, I knew I wanted to be in hospice care, so I volunteered uh, as on the hospice team. The hospice, cha- hospice chaplain was uh, this wonderful person who is a Buddhist monk, and he wanted to help individuals who didn't have a family. They, they, they didn't have friends to come and sit by their side. So a death doula is, stays at bedside and is a companion, is a witness to what's unfolding and keeps you company, keeps you comfortable. What's interesting too is people like dying alone. I mean, it doesn't sound a lot of fun. No, no. So, so this, this particular Buddhist uh, monk witnessed that over and over again, and he's one person. He actually handpicked uh, several volunteers and trained us along with a very seasoned uh, social worker, a hospice social worker. And everything he could think of, which was important to be aware, like, you know, the, the idea of active listening, you know, very, very important to listen to someone who's dying and, uh, and not interrupt them, you know, completely be still and listening and, and actively listening is, is really quite a gift. And some people really need to be coached on that. And that would be some, an important talent of a doula to be able to actively listen. Well, interesting to say that active listen is somebody is talking and whether they're ready to pass on and stuff like that. What is one common theme that I, I'm always been curious about this. What is one, one common theme that people always talk about, like a subject or a topic? Well, it's, there's really not one common theme, but, uh, but it's, it's usually uh, life regrets. So it's personal to the individual something they want to get off their chest and it's and it's very simple to do that with a stranger well that's why i started theme topic i meant to say regrets because everybody has regrets and then usually i didn't i didn't get to do this or i didn't spend enough time with my son or i didn't get to go on that trip or i didn't spend enough time with the people i really care about instead of uh, working 100 hours a week yeah yeah and 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 you know things that were done that they i wish they didn't do yeah. Uh-huh. And also, too, it's very the concern of a comfortable death. And, and that's the goal of care for hospice is a comfortable death. Of course, that's every, everyone's <laughs> concern is a comfortable death. Yeah, but that's a, it's, a, it's one of those things we still don't want to. It's not, people are not comfortable to talk about. Well, well also- we as Westerners don't talk about it. And, and uh, the Eastern 
philosophy is, you know, it, it's, it's part of life. I mean, they, the Eastern folks live as a, you know, generations under the same roof. I mean, as we really fall away from that, um, and, and really we don't see that our elders are dying. They're, they're not dying in our homes. And hospice is really coming around to bringing that back to be true. And, and, and it would be lovely if it was, you know, more talked about and more acceptable. My husband passed away. My children were um, six and nine when they passed away. My younger son, uh, by the time he got to the third grade, he was writing uh, an essay regarding uh, the death of his dad. And he himself figured out in the last paragraph, he wrote, what I found out is that death is part of life. And that was a third grader after his dad died. That's a, that's a big deal. That's a real shows a little bit of, of maturity for his age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he was processing the loss of his dad and, and writing about him in school really, really was incredibly helpful for him. Well, it, it's true. Yeah. Losing a parent. I know somebody who lost a parent at a young age also, and she still regrets, she still thinks about it. And their mom passed away in, well over 25 years ago, she was young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, oh, we don't. Oh no, we don't. We don't let go of these things. I mean, we let go of it. We we accept it. We we move on in life. But they're part of us still. Oh, very much so. Yeah, I think I said I think my mom all the time. My great aunt who taught me how to make scrambled eggs, mm-hmm. and my grandmother who always used to give me money for the arcades. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. The, but these are loving acts. They teaching you how to, you know, make eggs or or making eggs for you in the arcade. It's the love that they expressed. So that's what we learned as a family that love never dies. Well, what's interesting too, as as a hospice nurse, I'm wondering if you could share any stories that you may come across that um maybe uh, an experience like I really can't explain that, but it was very very beautiful. Um. Well, it happens actually all the time. <laughs> Most hospice deaths become beautiful because, because they have invited the hospice team in and there has been this acceptance and peace and love pervading. And um, actually, just recently, I was at the edge of, a bed, of uh, the bed of my patient and her husband, who really only got to acceptance because she helped him to accept her dying just days before. So I'm at the end of the bed and he was beside her and she looked past me and she said, Oh, Francis is here. And then she looked at her husband expecting him to correct her. And, and she said, Oh, 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 no. Okay. No, no, it must be Dolores. Mm -hmm. But she's not talking about me. She's talking about someone who's not there. So she actually saw her sister who has passed away, but she corrected herself to talk about the sister who was actually living, but still not in the room. So that's actually something very common. When someone is close to death, they see their deceased loved ones. And it just happens so often. And it's usually like, the, it was really a beautiful moment like her husband, who would normally correct her because she looked at him for correction, he let it go. And he, he actually felt better with the idea that her deceased sister 
was there to welcome her, to allow her to pass over, knowing that she was there to greet her. This happens over and over and over again. It's almost giving the people a little bit of peace, and um, and it's okay. It's okay to move it's on okay. to the next to the next um, realm or next. That's right. Next place, but how also religion plays into it too. I noticed that also, as especially as people get older, they they more towards their religion. It doesn't matter which religion they are, Catholic, mm-hmm. Christian, Buddhist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But as we get older, we, we we move to religion. I wonder how much religion helps people to pass on to the to the next life. Well, again, it's very personal. Mm-hmm. And as a hospice team, we meet everyone where they are. Even our spiritual care counselors, we have a rabbi. Um, a, a Buddhist, a Catholic priest, and, and any one of them is going to meet the patient where they are. And very often, patients don't even want to see anyone religious. They, they have somewhere along the, the way either never learned about it, let it go, and uh, a lot of anger, some, a lot of anger we have to process through uh, religious experiences, which, um, which I've become very accustomed to. So, so religion does play a part for those who, who believe, and, and, and some people, religion does not play a part. It's, just, it's interesting to think about, but I, noticed, I just noticed that as I see more, more elderly people at church than I see younger people, or see people mm-hmm. more religious as an older person, it doesn't matter what religion they're in, than That's younger right. people. So I was wondering if that had something in, related to death sometimes, people get closer to the, you know. You know, just this morning, I had that same thought about myself. Mm -hmm. And um, I was brought up by a very devout Irish uh, immigrant, my mom. And uh, it it was really very strict. And, you know, all rules and regulations we had to follow. So so I've had my own uh, process with the Catholic uh, religion. And I am a practicing Catholic, lo and behold. It surprises me still. Um, But I'm in a Jesuit parish. And this morning, my point about this morning is I was reading the Bible because I wanted to be ready for Sunday's uh, verses. And I was like, look at you, Ellen. (laughs) This is new. Um, But I'm 60 years old. And why am I doing it now is what I thought. So, So to answer your question... Does it have something to do with death? Not my death, but I'm free now. My children are grown. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I still am single, so my time is my own. And it's actually interesting to me now. So, so for me, it's not about death, but it's, it's, and I'm just more open about spirituality in my years. So if that's the answer for, for why churches have more elderly I'm not sure of the answer, but that's my answer. It was just interesting. It was just a thought process came through my mind when we were talking, and and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I was kind of curious. But another thing too is you have your the title of your book. It's um very interesting. Love, death, love. How mm-hmm. did you come up with that title? Well, for me, a very it's very simple. So the person I'm going to use my husband as an as the example. So of course I love him. I loved him. His children loved him. And then he died. And you know what? We still love him. You know, we still feel his presence, continue to love him. So 
love in the physical sense where they're here with us and then death occurs and then love in the spiritual sense that it continues. So that's why I've named the book Love, Death, Love. What if somebody wanted to purchase a book today? What would they, what would they, what would they find in there? What kind of things you'd talk about? Well, uh, I, I write about my nursing experience coming out of nursing school, very inadequate about death. And um, I actually graduated in 1986 and was put right onto an AIDS ward. Mm -hmm. So I witnessed death immediately, and they do not teach death in nursing school. In medical school, for that matter, they do not teach about death. They teach about healing, Mm -hmm. always uh, healing the individual, the patient. So I write about my my hospital experiences, my young nursing experience, and then I, uh, I write about patients in the ICU. I write about um, some personal experiences. My sister passed away at age 31. I write about my husband's uh, experience. So there's, there's several chapters explaining my experience with death, uh, personally and professionally. And then I actually write about uh, the grieving process as well. It's interesting too, is how do you think it's important to teach uh, people like nursing students write about death before they come in to be a registered nurse? Well, you know, it's, yes, it's very important. <laughs> uh, and it hasn't been done, but you know what? Now it's being done. It's actually now being done. Because yeah. it can be a little bit of a shock, shock to a person when the first time they, they, they see it. It was pretty shocking to me. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah it, was, it was actually very difficult. Yeah, I left the ICU actually because of the amount of death when my dad suddenly died, like I, I, it was just, it was just too much. I actually started working at a summer camp. I, I left the ICU and went to a summer camp. <laughs> yeah. But then go figure. I mean, then I had so many personal uh, losses uh, and the, the illness of my sister was for years and, and uh, she died. She taught me a lot about what I know about death. And then my husband's experience, we did that together. I mean, that whole process, uh, his journey to death, we did that together and it was profound and it was beautiful. And um, and we had to accept that he pancreatic cancer was going to win. Mm-hmm. And that the cancer takes over. So we accepted that this was going to happen and it actually was a, a beautiful experience when he died, when my husband died, I said, I'm going to be a hospice nurse. It was through those experiences that really I, I am very present for my families now and patients now so they can go through the experience, their experience utilizing my experience. It's interesting, too. It's about living life now and, and experience life now and enjoy while you're here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. When I, when I realized that my husband was not going to beat this cancer, I enjoyed the present. I enjoyed every day with him. You know, of course it was difficult at times because it's difficult. So I can't say that every day was this, you know, you know beautiful uh, daily event because there was bickering. There was anger. You know, there was a lot of emotion going on. But um, once, once I realized uh, that he was not going to beat this cancer, every day, present day, became so important. Bickering goes away, and it does become a loving, peaceful environment. Appreciate, you, appreciate your loved ones and your family while they're here. 
Yes. Because tomorrow's not guaranteed. <laughs> That's right. Right. But um, final thoughts, anything you want to leave with the audience about death and or hospice care? You know, I, I'm going to just repeat, please come to hospice sooner rather than later. Have the hospice, hospice, hospice experience and allow the natural event to occur. Also, where they would connect to you, they can find the book. Yeah. Yeah. Please buy my book, Love, Death, Love by Ellen Longstowell. You could get it on Amazon, balboapress.com and uh, Barnes and Noble as well. Ellen, thank you much for being on the podcast. And I really do appreciate it. It was a great conversation and I really appreciate your time. Thank you. All links will be in the show notes too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for asking the hard questions. Wrapping up this episode, I want to thank Ellen Long Stillwell for being a guest on the podcast. You can find more about her over at ellenlongstillwell.com. You can find all the links in the show notes for this episode at nosittingonthesideline.com slash one four. Hey, please reach out, leave a comment, or if you have a question, you know what? Now the new website, I have it on pod page, which is the best thing if you want to be a podcaster. And it's so easy because of less headaches, but there's a comment section there. You can leave a comment if you like the topic or just want to say hello. Also, I can reach at nosittingonthesideline.com slash contact. There's all my social media links. There's my email. Everything you want to reach out to me is right there. Well, wrapping up, this episode was kind of an interesting conversation about a journey of a hospice nurse and her challenges, her time taking care of people. One thing I really got out of is take time to listen. Enjoy the people you love. Now, while they're here, this is important because once they're gone, they're gone. And all you have is memories. Well, thank you for listening. Until next time, take care. Give your kids a hug. Tell them what you love them. God bless. Take care. See ya.